Today's episode is brought to you by No Boring Design. Wow, what a name. No, we know this team well. We've brought them in to help with a number of engagements when design becomes a bottleneck for shipping campaigns quickly. Uh, also when design is boring, right? A lot of B2B status quo becomes boring and it doesn't have to be. So we bring this team in, they level up the quality design and they remove design as a bottleneck to ship campaigns, content, product marketing assets, you name it. If it needs a design and you're hung up on it, this team can help. Um, somehow they managed to do this. I think their price point starting out is 2,500 a month. Uh, obviously goes up from there, but what a great resource. We've seen them firsthand do great work with Dropbox, Yelp, a number of our big clients they've been a part of. So check them out, noboringdesign.com, noboringdesign.com. Welcome to season three of Best in SaaS, where we talk through patterns and playbooks in the revenue sprint to 100 million in ARR and beyond with the industry's most accomplished executives, entrepreneurs, and investors. Season three is brought to you by Chargebee. Chargebee helps SaaS businesses of all sizes maximize the growth potential and revenue with a leading global subscription management platform that delivers fast time to value plus exceptional service and support. Learn more at chargebee.com. All right. Well, hey, Will, I am thrilled to have you on the show. Welcome to Best in SaaS. Thanks, Elias. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Well, so for everyone listening, uh, Will is the Chief Growth Officer at Easy Workforce. And today, I, you know, I just want to dive right in because I think this title, Chief Growth Officer, it's it's relatively new. I'm seeing more and more of it. Um, and, and it seems like an evolution of the CRO title. So can you, can you walk all of us through like how, you know, how that evolution has taken place? Do you see it as an evolution of the CRO title and, and, and what all goes into that? Yeah, I do. I do. And um, it's funny because before I took this job, uh, I, we had a, 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 a real deep philosophical discussion with a couple of board members about the role and what it should be called. And, and the chairman, Gary, asked me, he said, how do you feel about the title chief growth officer? And I said, I actually like it because it's way more literal than chief revenue officer. And it makes the point that the, the emphasis is on growing the business. Nobody's hiring me to maintain a business. I'm not good at it. I don't enjoy it. It's not fun. Um, growing things is a hell of a lot more fun. It's a lot of fun to build things and, and be able to mark your success. <clears throat> Excuse me. So to answer your question, yes, I do see it as evolutionary. I think we're seeing it more and more uh, emerging with a lot of companies, particularly um, you know emerging companies, right? That are that are so focused on growth. Uh, I do think the the pre predecessor was chief revenue officer, and while I still think that's effective, it's relevant. It still feels a little administrative to me, you know. And growth makes makes it very clear what the literal uh, uh, literal objective is. Now, the reason the CRO role emerged is because you know, traditionally the departments that make up the revenue and make up the growth, <clears throat> like marketing, sales, and customer success, and, and so on, reported through different functions. And while that made sense as, as the businesses evolved, people started to recognize that, look, you know, revenue is, is the sum of these parts. It's how we, how we market ourselves to attract customers. It's how we win them you know, through our sales motions, and it's how we retain and grow them in part of our you know, post-sales type, type sales models. 
and, and retention models, like which you know, co- popular words emerging now, like customer success, right? And which I think are, are, is a great descriptor. So if you look at that attract, win, and retain model, uh, and if you consider that those kind of rolled up through different management functions for a while, and later made it up at a board level or an executive level to a single person, um, you know, this this is uh, I say it's a little more aggressive and more literal way to approach it and recognize that there there are dependencies among these processes and that marketing doesn't exist in a silo, neither does sales, neither does account management. These all have to work together and there and there's some metrics that matter when you when you when you manage these businesses. So yeah, I think it's an evolution. I think it's a good one. I love that. It's 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 nuanced too. I mean, it's not so it's not like a massive, hey, we're cutting this out of the role and bringing this in. It's yeah. it's almost just the positioning of how the organization sees you as a leader and how you think of your responsibility as a leader within that organization, which is, which is great. Yeah. So p- from previous conversations you and I have had, I know that you have some key principles that are kind of your guideposts yeah. w- within, within how you mm-hmm. operate. I'd love for you to unpack yeah. those with us. What are they? Sure. Uh, I'm not bashful about this either because I'm kind of <laughs> proud of it. Um, but uh, so thanks for asking about it. <clears throat> um, I do have a couple of kind of key pillars that I, I keep in the back of my mind. I've got them on my wall and I, I refer to them regularly because it's a motivator. And the first one's leadership. Uh, I identify with being a leader uh, and I enjoy it. And the reason is, uh, well, there, there are a couple of reasons. One, I'm competitive, right? And so everybody likes to win. I, I like to win. And you know, at 55 years old, I can't win on an ice rink anymore or a football field or, or a baseball diamond or a lacrosse field. I have, I have to win in business. So uh, it's my one shot left at my age. So uh, but but to lead others, uh, what I really, really enjoy is helping them succeed. And, you know, there are people out there who are going to be successful, whether they cr- we cross paths or not, and, and good for them. I'm happy for them, too, and I'm happy to help them any way I can. But there, there are a lot of people out there who get either get a chance because I worked with them, uh, and, and, they, and they've earned it, right? So it's not anything I'm giving them, but, you know, circumstances bring us together and they get a chance for something. Or people who have maybe some personal goals they haven't achieved yet. And, you know, the business goals often enable the personal goals. So um, we had an employee recently came to me and said, because of some recent changes we had made to their role and their, and their responsibilities are making more money. And they, they're, they're looking to buy their first, she and her husband are looking to buy their first house. And I got to tell you, it made my day. It's, it, it's like the best thing ever when you realize that you're making an impact on people. Um, at a previous, in a previous role, there was a woman who I, I felt was overlooked, um, uh, or I'll just say neglected for a while despite doing tremendous work for years and years and years and, and, and increasing her contributions over years. And we were able to create an opportunity for her to, to excel. And, and she made more money. She earned it. And, um, and she really soared. And she's told me a couple of times that I've made a massive difference in her career. And that's the part of leadership that I actually enjoy way more than, than the dollars. Uh, it so happens the dollars help you measure success too. So I enjoy that part. And I have expensive hobbies. We've talked about sailing and yep, and skiing, yep. and you know those aren't cheap. So uh, you know, between being competitive and, and knowing this is my one form in which I can I can still compete, uh, and then wanting you know, enjoying helping others, that that's kind of why I enjoy the leadership side of it. I was, um, was going to call you out on that because I feel like anytime two boats are pointed in the same direction, you know it's a race. <laughs> so you can still compete. There's a there. race. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if you're the small boat with smaller sail area and there's a big boat nearby. Yeah. You want to try and beat them. <laughs> and if you're the big boat, you don't want to be passed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's the same everywhere, not just on the water. Uh, the second piece is growth. And I think I hinted at this in the earlier response. I, 
the thing that really you know, kind of sticks with me with growth is that it's a clear objective and everybody understands what that means. Um, you may measure it a little, little bit different ways, but the, you know, the, the macroeconomics of growth are pretty clear. Uh, you've got to gain more customers. You've got to make more money. You've got to retain customers in a, in a SaaS-based business, right? And you got to get more money for all of it. Uh, that, that to me makes a lot of sense, but it feels like building too. Uh, I grew up in a family where my dad was an engineer. He built massive projects all over the world. Um, and I got to see a lot of the projects and a lot of the world because of it. I've always identified with building things and, and I enjoy building things and doing things around the house and stuff too. But, um, but to me, being focused on growth just makes a lot of sense. It fits well with my personality. So uh, I enjoy rallying people around it and I enjoy measuring the success of it. And uh, I think it goes hand in hand with leadership. Uh, the third, third piece you mentioned I, that I have three, I do, the, um, uh, is ecosystems. And this started out really early on where there were reseller channels and so on that people referred to in business. And, and while those exist, they, they, they have lessened in their relevance and importance in the market. Uh, so it's not so much the physical distribution piece of, of partnerships that really drive things now, but we've, we've moved over, over a period of time into an era that then kind of ushered in the value of systems integrators, the big consultancies, even you know, the boutique uh, consultancies that make systems work together. So that becomes less and less dependent on physical you know, distribution and sales and marketing. It becomes more involved, more, more around processes and systems working together. And then I think we're actually somewhat exiting that role. I think that role is still very important, but we're, we're entering into a time of, of true interdependent ecosystems where there are a lot of parties that collaborate. And you know, now the measurements aren't so much the way, the way money flows isn't so much around subsequent transactions that make it to a customer in a serial, in a serial fashion, but it's now more about how organizations kind of influence deals and decisions and, and then how you help execute them, so, you know, which can be distributed all over the globe. I think we're seeing that emerge in a couple of ways. You know, one, one is around the technology markets and this where you get providers like, I think of a Salesforce.com or some others that, that have created a, a marketplace that allow others to use components of their technology and, and provide derivative, um, the lawyers don't like the word derivative, but uh, you know, adjacent or derivative type technology solutions. I think we're seeing this now in the people marketplace too, where uh, uh, we, we were using digital job boards, we were putting postings online. Those were just digital versions of what we did before. Uh, you know, companies like Indeed and ZipRecruiter and so on, what, what I think we're seeing more of now is this emergence of, emergence of people marketplaces and where this is going to take us is where uh, companies go to find workers. You know, not only we're in a competitive marketplace right now for labor, but like you know, labor doesn't want to be working full-time or they don't want to work on one thing full-time. And some people get up and move from the Bay Area to go to Denver because they you know, like the lifestyle or something. Well, you know what? In a gig economy and, and, and in contingent labor models that... Uh, you know, that's possible. People can do a lot of things. And, but to do that, you need systems and processes to connect people. And I think we're going to see a, a, a real emergence here, people marketplaces that help accomplish that. And we're seeing it already with companies like, um, uh, like Snag a Job in the Mid-Atlantic that helps marry you know, employers that need, particularly like retail and restaurant businesses, need employees with certain skill sets and so on. So I know I, I ran on, a, tan, I ran on a, uh, a run there for a little bit. But um, uh, those are kind of the three areas that I really identify with on a day-to-day -day basis. All right. So before we get on to the second half of this episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our close friends over at Mattermade. For those of you who don't know them, 
Mattermade helps some of the fastest growing B2B SaaS companies drive revenue as an extension of their marketing teams. We're talking companies like Dropbox, Calm, Loom, Product Board, and many others who trust Mattermade to help them drive their marketing and demand gen initiatives. You can check out their seemingly endless supply of case studies over at mattermade.co. Now let's get back to the episode. Yeah, the people marketplace thing is interesting. I, I think in a way like Dribble, the design website, you know, yeah. I've never had success posting a, des- a design job wreck really, but I've had a ton of success finding people who are collaborating on interesting projects on Dribble, yeah. reaching out to them yeah. and saying, hey, like this is what we're working Great on. Great example. Yeah, I think some of these have kind of come together informally and they just kind of emerge into something that, that starts to build some mass. And then you get others that, that uh, um, you were more deliberate. And I, you know, I, I think we're going to see some very, very fast uh, iterations on this you know, quickly. Uh, I think the COVID situation is accelerating it, uh, but, but I think the trends were always there. Um, you know, if you think about if I, if I own 15 restaurants in, in Washington, DC, and I've got a whole bunch of shifts I have to fill, I'm, I don't need to go hire 42 employees to cover these shifts over a period of time. What I really need is I need those shifts covered. And I need to know that these people have some experience with, you know, my kind of environment. Maybe I'll invest in training them ahead of time, knowing they're potential employees. Uh, maybe I, I want that marketplace to already do digital background checks on these people, assess their skills, maybe put them through training. You know, that becomes a high value add marketplace for me as an employer to go to. Uh, I, I think we're going to see that, that employment model uh, accelerate. So I'm curious now specific to easy workforce and, and some of the mm-hmm. you know, business opportunities, market shifts, and, and just like what, what has you really excited right now about when you're, you're doing planning for 2022? What has you excited? Uh, so specifically about easy workforce, we, we build a, an enterprise class platform for workforce management, but we make it available to masses, to really any company of any size that can use it. Um, so our sweet spot is really a small to mid market customers. Uh, we find many of the big brand name, you know, blue chip customers do buy from us as well, but, but we're a work group technology. We're not an enterprise technology. Uh, number one, it still amazes me how many co- companies are working with old processes or even some paper punch cards out there, things like that. Um, systems are not well integrated so that, um, you know, the hiring process leads to the way you plan for an accountant and report on, on labor, um, how you account for cost and that labor for job costing purposes, um, how you, you calculate time off and accruals and benefits and, and so on, how you schedule that time, you know, and then how you take all that data and pass it along to, to make sure they're paid properly, paid on time or paid early or, or immediately in some cases. Um, uh, and we've got a partnership around that we've just built, by the way. And, and um, so there, there's so much opportunity with companies that have not well automated. They need, they need, a lot of help solving those types of problems. Um, we're in a great position to do it. We've got 11,000 customers. Uh, it, it, you know, we, we've got some real mass to what we do and we've gotten really great technology. And the part that I enjoy the most, I, I said about working with other people is you know, kind of helping them with their success. It's fun to see these teams working together and taking pride in doing a good job for customers. They care about how well the, the onboarding process goes. They care about when when support calls are resolved and they're, that they're resolved well and accurately. Um, there's just like a constant belief that we can grow, we can win more market, and and that we can have fun doing it. So you know, what, what else could you ask for? 
So I always like to ask folks who are, you know, at, at the pinnacle of career, you're, you're clearly, you have a million things that you're responsible for within this role. And not only that, but people's lives and their livelihood. And that's something you take great pride in. What is it that you do? And I, I know this already, but it's for our listeners. What is it that you do to keep yourself sane and energized so that when you do show up for work, you're bringing, you know, your best self? Uh, a little tip, a little trick I'll give, I'll, I'll give to everybody. Look at your calendar ruthlessly. <laughs> and finding recurring meetings, and most of them are a waste of time. So, number one, get rid of recurring meetings. If if you are if you're putting together a team to address a problem, and the result of that next meeting is that you're going to schedule many more meetings, you haven't solved anything. Get rid of those meetings. Um, that's that's one thing. So, uh, I, I the the other thing I actually will say it's a little more more. I mean, that's that's a little tongue in cheek, but it's true, right? Um, one of the things I I really enjoy is. Sometimes we can change people's perspective a little bit, how they look at a problem, uh, and they see it differently. It's fun, and and you get great results out of it. A, a friend of mine who's a, um, a leadership consultant, uh, he's a coach, uh, Ron Collier. He he likes to say, "All right, what if we what if we need to guarantee this this project would fail? What would we do?" And we sat there and literally made a list of how we make sure we kill this thing. All right, now let's do the opposite. You know, what's the opposite look like? It's a really interesting um, uh, way to approach it. And I love taking those types of approaches. Um, I love challenging people to think bigger than they've thought before. And, you know, when you look at a company like ours, we're growing fast, but, you know, uh, what if we could grow twice as fast or four times as fast? What would, what would that take? And then people stop and they, they, they set aside what they know because they're, they're, what they know led them to believe they could grow twice as fast. Set aside everything you know, and sometimes you have to trick them into doing that and, and uh, get them to think, all right, that's not going to quadruple business. What are we going to, what do we have to do to do that? And then they get way more creative. Uh, some people like to say brainstorming and stuff. I don't think it's actually brainstorming because I find like, I find that when you, when you have a problem you're tackling, you have an objective you're going after, um, it's way better than just simple brainstorming. Well, you're giving people permission to be creative again. It's like, we get so stuck yeah, in the of like people yeah. and process and yeah. you know, what, what works as opposed to yeah. What might work? <laughs> you know, one of the challenges as a leader is, is, is that people tend to play safe in their careers. They don't want to, they don't want to risk looking bad or making a bad decision or failing at something. And, you know, I think the, the startup mentality, the emerging marketplace mentality has really got it right where it's gotten it right, where we tell employees fail and fail fast, fail up, fail fast. Right. And so I, you know, I think that's one of the things that I brought to this organization there was some of that there already, but I think it's becoming, because of a lot of people being supportive of doing it, it's becoming a safe place to get a little outrageous and a little, and a little, you know, thinking out of the box and thinking much bigger. Uh, I think aggressively, you know, there's nothing wrong with being aggressive. You can still be a nice person and be aggressive. So let's be aggressive and, and really figure out how to blow this apart. So that's, that's what I really enjoy. So what keeps me going? Those things, right? Nice. I love that. So as we wind this down, I'm, I'm curious, you know, we've all have those people in our lives throughout our careers who have had an impact and whether it's a mentor or a peer who's inspired you, who are some of those folks for you? Oh, funny. Um, you know, early in my career, I, I worked out of Silicon Valley. I commuted from, from the East coast and I worked for a guy named Joe Costello, who I don't know if he'd ever consider himself a mentor to me or not, but Joe's very, very notorious. In that, right. He, he um, you know, grew several companies to a billion plus and sold them and so on. And I found myself in a startup, where he was an investor and he came in and take, took over the company. And I, and I got to work directly for him for four years and I learned an absolute ton. doesn't mean I like everything I do with him, but I, but I learned a lot. And 
he was he was incredibly uh, insightful about me and and, and um, challenged me to kind of look inside myself and evaluate myself. And I learned a lot through that. So actually, I've always appreciated that time working with Joe. Most recently, it really stands out in my mind is, uh, and the re- the primary reason I took this job is the chairman of our company is a guy named Gary Trainer, And Gary's got a long, long successful background as an investor, as a, as a leader at ADP and, and others. But I took the job because of the opportunity to learn from Gary. And, and I'm thrilled that I did. Um, I think we've got a terrific relationship and I enjoy that. If you're hearing noise, it's a puppy under my, uh, under my desk here. Hey, buddy. That's the best kind of uh, desk accessory. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, uh, you know, I know there are others that have that have been in between, and I, um, I I'm having, I'm struggling to come up with names right now. But uh, I kind of feel like we're all you know we're all a bit of an amalgam of the people we encounter over the years. And you know, my dad first and foremost has set my uh, kind of my I say my interests and what I enjoy and kind of what I value. So when I say I value leadership and, and helping others succeed. It's because that's kind of the coach mentality I have, and my uh, I got from my dad. And some some you know, it's another conversation one day, but yeah, you know, he's he's he set a spectacular example, and I appreciate it, love him to death. And it, it's it's just fun to be able to, to to know that I kind of he's still around and healthy, so that's good. But uh, uh, he, he's had a huge impact on what I've done for my career, you know, for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I think most of us appreciate that our parents have had that kind of impact, but uh, I'd say those three. Well, Will, I've really enjoyed this conversation and I'm sure our audience, there's some nuggets in there for them to, to take back and, and incorporate into their work. So thanks, thanks for your time. I really appreciate having me. Thank you. All right. Have a great day.